yes, as I've been preparing for this morning and just this whole week wrestling with what was on the Lord's heart for us as a people, like, it's so easy to just fall into a, a place of just preaching a good preach for the sake of a preach. And I was like, I was so desperate just to pick up on what the Lord had for us as His people. Just so desperate, so hungry. I mean, I, honestly, I think if you could look into my heart, you would see, I wouldn't say anguish, because anguish sometimes conjures like picture, a negative kind of picture. But there's been such a, a, a yearning, a contending, I think that's the better word, a contending for the Lord, for more of His presence, more of Him, more of an intimacy with Him for more of a revelation of Him as His people, that we would encounter Him in such a way that we would not be the same. That we would not be the same. And I think that is the deepest desire of any pastor, any preacher, any elder, like anyone who leads a church, is that every single person that has been entrusted to them by the Lord would enter into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Him. That we wouldn't just come here to have our ears tickled and have a good preach and go, ah, that was lacquer. They, they, they preach pretty well. They're great musicians. They've got great music. But that we would encounter Jesus. We would encounter Him because if you just come here to sit and listen to me, to me preach, you're going to be horribly disappointed because I'm not the best preacher. But I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And it is my heart that that love for him would become so contagious that you would fall more and more and more and more and more in love with him that actually as you encounter him as you discover his love for you that you would not be able to be the same person because it's so it's 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 an incredible love that actually we cannot but stop when we encounter his love but stop and go hang on a sec i need to change I need to change. And that's what repentance is all about, is encountering the love of Jesus so that we would be almost forced, I'd say. Like, it's like He never forces us to do anything, but something would compel us so much that we have to change. We have to deal with the sin in our lives. We have to deal with the rubbish. We have to put it behind us and we have to go, God, I need to change. And my heart, and something that I'm coming away from this last week in Cape Town is that, man, we would have a, de a deeper revelation of what repentance means. What encountering the living God means. It's not just all lovely, cushy, la, 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 la. But actually it's heart-cutting stuff that we deal with the sin that we deal with the stuff that's separating us from Him. We deal with the nonsense because He is a, he is a, a God whose wrath actually is deserved on us. That is the reality. But by His Son, by the work of His Son on the cross, He shows us mercy. We don't deserve it. Church, we don't deserve His mercy. Not one, but do we deserve it. But yet He gives it because He loves us. But we have to respond. We have to respond. Just let that sink in because if we, if we don't respond, woe be to you. If you don't respond to His love and His mercy, woe be to you. 
you better be careful because He is a just God. He is a just God. He is merciful, but He is a just God. Is this all right? <laughs> like I wasn't intending to go down here this morning, but I, I think it's like it's just on his heart. And like really, I do not want to miss what the Lord has for us as his people. Like I said, I could come and tickle your ears with a pretty okay preacher. We might get Dan or Nardis to come and really tickle your ears because they pretty well, <laughs> you know. Or maybe, maybe get Andrew to come and tickle our ears or one of the guys. But I tell you what, we can have an incredible preach and great words, but unless it wrecks our hearts, unless we respond to Him in our hearts, it's just over. And so even over the last week or so, the weekend, even the, over the conference and the time, and, and it's lovely to hear what God did. But I tell you what, if we just went there and we got preachers, because some of us struggled. I mean, it's like that moment with the, the wind blowing. Like there was one moment when we were sitting there going, we fear for our lives kind of thing. The wind was so vicious and this tent was rocking. And there was this, uh, you know, those, those lights, those um, racks of lights. And this thing was rocking. I was like, Jesus, you're about to take out the entire apostolic team <laughs> for whatever reason. But beam me up now, Scotty. <laughs> like, and so we, we naughty. We were quite naughty. We were like, I looked at Nikki and I said, okay, we can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't, my heart. We just gently got out our seats and went and sat at the back. I said, I think I call the girls too. Just call the girls. <laughs> Same way, my lack of faith. But I was just in that moment. Just, but you know what? It wasn't just about the preaching. It wasn't just about the great words and the fellowship. But it was because over five and a half thousand people came together to meet with Jesus. To meet with Jesus. Not just to sit under great teaching, but to meet with Jesus. And you know, we, conferences don't define us. Like events don't define us. What defines us is when we come together as people with one heart, one mind, one purpose to love on the Lord our Savior. When we come together to worship Him. That's why we get up in front and we stand and we shout. That's why we don't, we, we, we dance. That's why we, we scream our lungs out. That's why you'll have 50 something year old guys just dancing. That's me. I'm just that out there, <laughs> 40 plus, I'm, I'm almost 50, eh? But that's why I will dance, I will sing, I will become even more undignified than this. I won't let the youth overtake me. I will lead the charge with the youth going, we can't keep up to you, Uncle Chad. I will lead the charge because I love my Savior, because He gave His life for me. He gave His life for me. For me, and he gave his life for every single one of us here this morning. He gave his life for you. And this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity even to come to Jesus. I'm going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. But I want to share one or two things, and I'm not going to be long. But there's something I wanted to share with you just very briefly. And so let's just take a moment. Thanks. I could have you up there the whole time. I love it. You want to stay there? You can stay there. But in order for me to, to do this, I do need these things. And it's because, um, it's actually because the text in this book is very, very small. 
But I, like as I was prepping this morning, and I know you're saying, why has he got a book instead of the Bible in his hand? And I've like been so convicted. No, I've got to do that. Otherwise, you, suddenly you're all very blurred kind of thing. But I, like, I don't want to just be a motivational speaker. I never want to be someone who just motivates you to do more. But I want to be someone that, that in a sense, that, that there's an anointing that flows that actually breaks things open. Because motivation, I mean, that's really the difference, I think, between a preacher and emotional motivational speaker. Because in a sense, our job as, as, an, as, as a preacher, as an elder, is to motivate you into taking hold of something more. But I tell you what, when, you, when you're in a relationship with Jesus... There's an anointing that comes more than just the words, all right? And so, again, I don't want to just tickle your ears. I don't want to just go, hey, that was a great motivational talk. My heart is that you would fall more in love with Jesus this morning. That when you leave this place, that you would go, man, I need to change some things. I need to change some things. So the title of my message is really this, is One Life to Live. One Life to Live. And I'm sure for any Land Rover uh, driver, you would have seen the sticker. I don't know why they've got it. Maybe it's because there's only one Land Rover to drive and you'll never drive a Land Rover again kind of thing. <laughs> but you might have seen that sticker, One Life to Live. And I remember just years in, uh, what? One Life Live It. Is that what it says? But, you know, over the years of being, being part of Joshua Generation, I have followed men who have just stirred a passion in my heart for more of Jesus, who have stirred in my life just something of, of going, you know what, there's more than just Chad being Chad. And, um, and it's more than just going through the motion, but living a life sold out for Jesus. And so, uh, you know, as a young boy, I always dreamt of serving the Lord full time. Like my, I think my dad and mom had different ideas for me, and they were like probably might have frustrated them a little bit, but I really wanted to serve the Lord with all my heart. I didn't know what that would look like. I thought it might be a, someone who comes in early to pack out chairs. And I would, I still do that because I want to serve. Might be someone who comes during the week and weeds the paving with a young friend and paints the wall. And why? Not because... It's glorious, but because I want to serve, and I want to, that's what I would love to do. And over the years, as I've walked with men and, and women and, and, and people that I've looked up to, I've just seen them live their lives sold out for Jesus. And, and when I, over, the, over this last week that we were away, one of, the, one of the elders in Oxygen Life, a guy by the name of Sean Bridesworth, just brought his book that he'd just written, and uh, I got, we got a copy, and I love Sean's, the way Sean writes. Um, he, he's a very creative writer. Um, he, he came out of the punk rock scene when he was unsaved. He was a punk rocker kind of thing, and he's a very good communicator. And, and, I, and, I, picked, and I don't, anyone knows me, I don't read. Ask my wife. And actually, funny enough, over the last month, this is the second book I'm reading, believe it or not. I read the Bible. Now, thank you for clarifying. I do read the Bible, but I'm not a big reader. Um, and so when I saw that Sean had bought a book, I said, man, I'll be able to read Sean's stuff because when he does stuff on Facebook or whatever, like I can read his stuff. And so I got his book. And when I picked it up, the very first story was like, oh, my goodness, that's so incredible. And then as I was prepping this week, 
uh, I was reminded of the story. And I want to read it to you guys quickly because I think it'll just set the tone for what God wants to do quickly. One morning in 1888, a Swedish man named Alfred opened the newspaper and found out that he had died. In the obituary section, he found his name, his details, and a description of his unfortunate death, which, as you might imagine, came as quite a shock to him. But that wasn't the worst part. Alfred had been fairly famous, and at his death, and as his death was reported around Europe, he began to discover exactly how his life work, his life's work had been framed. Le méchant de l'amour est mort. I just made that up. No. One French newspaper wrote, The merchant of death is dead. It was in fact his brother Ludwig who had died, and some sloppy journalism had mixed up their names. <laughs> One newspaper had mistakenly switched their identities, and soon all publications had begun reporting that Alfred had passed away. Imagine that. Eh? Not his brother. What the error did, though, was to give him something he could never have otherwise received, an honest glimpse into how, he truly, how he'd truly be remembered. And he didn't like what he saw. As part of a family who had become quite wealthy by creating and developing explosives, Alfred had embarked upon a groundbreaking but ultimately destructive career. His life had been dedicated to finding more efficient ways to blow things up. His father had been involved in supplying armaments for the devastating Crimean War of the 1850s, and Alfred himself had spent years studying and developing ways to develop the dangerous compound liquid nitroglycerin. Along the way, he had become widely known as the inventor of dynamite. And so for the history buffs amongst us, it was actually the Chinese that invented dynamite, just so, okay, so don't go critical there. But he had become known as the inventor of dynamite. Now faced with a mistaken report and literally staring down at his own legacy in ruthless black and white, he was appalled. This was it, the merchant of death. This was what he had worked for, the end game of all his efforts. Reading his premature obituary gave him something that most people don't get, a chance to actually reflect on the life they had lived. And so in that sobering moment, he made a decision. Alfred decided that when he really did die, he would give people something different to write about. He would aim to honor, not notoriety, he would change his obituary. And so he began by changing his will. His entire fortune, he decided, would be used to create a series of prizes that would be given to those who work towards the greatest benefit of mankind. As it was later phrased, as it was later phrased, the greatest, the great award, sorry. Sorry, my eyes are blurry. That's how small the text is, yeah. <laughs> the greatest benefit of mankind, as it was later phrased. He created awards in the categories of physics, chemistry, physiology, medicine, literature, and peace. 
an extremely wealthy man, he committed 94% of his total assets, totaling hundreds of millions of, millions of euros in today's economy, towards funding those prizes for achievements across various fields. Across various fields. Alfred caught up with his own obituary eight years after the first reading, dying in 1896 at the age of 63. It turned out that the journalistic era was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Today, his family name, Nobel, is associated with honor, not destruction. Few people know that the inventor of dynamite is the very same, do not know that the inventor of dynamite is the very man, same man behind the prestigious Nobel Prize, among the highest and most coveted accolades on the earth. The key to Alfred's turnaround was ultimately very simple. He was confronted by an honest assessment of his own legacy, and he still had something to do about it. He still had time to do something about it. Imagine that was you, faced with your obituary. You wake up one morning and read in the paper that you had died. What would people say about you? We have one life to live. We've got to make it count. We have one life to get it right. There's no repeats. There's no do-overs. The day we stand before Jesus, we will give an account for how we live this life. There's no other opportunity but just to get it right while we have breath in our lungs and as we are standing on our two legs in this world. And I think that for me is the most important thing. And, and, and so many of us are in this life and we get so trapped up, so caught up with, with everything around us. And we get so focused on the things that are not important that the things that are important get totally forgotten about. And so I want to challenge us this morning, and I really do want to challenge us, that we have an opportunity to serve Jesus with everything we have. I want to read a scripture to you quickly in Ephesians chapter 5, and it's from verses 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wife, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Just stopping there. Be careful in how you walk. Are you careful at how you walk? How are you walking this journey now? Are you wasting your life or are you counting for Jesus? And so I want to, I mean, the emphasis for me is that how are we making our life count for Jesus? Nadas mentioned something to me on Friday morning that he had heard <clears throat> Uncle Will, one of Uncle Will's preachers. Um, Will Murray was one of the elders in Josh Jen for many years on the apostolic team, and such a father of faith. He passed away just over a year ago, I think, or just on a year ago, and we miss him dearly. He was a really incredible man, but in the last weeks leading up to his, I mean, he knew he was going to die. It was terminal cancer. There was no, no further hope for him, and he was been chatting to one of the guys, I think, been interviewed in that, <clears throat> and one of the things they said to him, what would you change? If you could do it again, what would you change? And he said this incredible thing. He said, I would change absolutely nothing. What? 
because he believed that he had lived his life flat out, fully sold out for God. I think he was about in his late 60s when he passed away. But when asked what would he change, he said, absolutely nothing. I have lived my life for the fullest. I have lived flat out for Jesus. I have served him. I have planted churches. I have led people to the Lord. I have loved him extravagantly. I would change nothing. And can we say the same? If, we, if you had to be asked that question right now, what would you change? Can you honestly say, like, and I think you can either say, no, I think I'm pretty all right, kind of thing. So in many ways, it could be considered to be a little bit of an, an arrogant kind of answer. But if I look at Uncle Will's life and the fruits of his life, I would go, absolutely. I think there's a legacy that he has left behind because he lived passionately for God. And so maybe we're sitting there, when you ask that question, maybe you're going, actually, I do need to change some things. Maybe I do need to reprioritize. And, and I tell you what, it's never too late. It's never too late. I think Roy's probably the oldest gentleman here with us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I love this man. I love this man. And I've watched him and Dawn. We've gotten to know them quite well over the last few months. And I've watched them living their life to the full. Living their life. I mean, how old are you now, Roy? 75, living his life for the full. This man is more passionate about Jesus than I'm sure when he was 40 years ago. It's incredible. Come on. And I know he doesn't mind me talking about him because we love each other and we're good friends. And it's not embarrassing. It's not like, this is what I, this, and you know, and we look at these youngsters and we see them standing up front and you guys have an incredible opportunity already now to be put on a trajectory where you can count for eternity. You can count for Jesus. It's never too late. It's not too late to begin, and it's not too late to change. And so some of you might be looking, and I'm like in the 60s, I'm in the 50s, or whatever it might be, and I'm going, it's too late. You can't teach this old dog new tricks. <laughs> Lesson for you. You can teach an old dog new tricks very, very easily. It's just with the right way. <laughs> and I tell you what, even in my, in my, in my years, and I, yes, I'm not... Much, I'm not, I mean, I'm probably in the midway of my life. I'm trusting kind of thing, maybe a little bit over midway kind of thing. I don't know how many years the Lord has given me. But if, if you were to come and have a conversation and chat to me about my life and find out what God, I'm like, I think I do have some regrets. Yes, and I think there is a measure of that. But I know that I've made a decision to live sold out for Jesus. That I've made a decision to follow him with all that I have. That we, let's put that scripture up again. That I have not been foolish. I have been wise. I've been making the best use of the time given to me. Why? Because the days are evil. And I know that there is, there, there, there is a, an age amongst us which is wanting to deceive, to, to destroy, and to kill people. And so I have this opportunity now, not only for my own life, but to come alongside others. And to encourage and to stand before you and say, you know what? Will you make your life count? Will you make your life count? Will you be able to stand before Jesus one day and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I never want us to be like that servant in the, in the, in the story where it talks about the talents. You know that story about the talents where, where the guys are each given amount of money to go and uh, to do whatever. The, the master goes away. And when he comes back to them, 
he, he, tries, he, he wants an accounting for how the money was spent or what they did with what he had given them. And the first two were really good and faithful with their finances, but the last guy had really messed up. That's your phone, Barry. Is <laughs> it picking Google? It's catching up what I'm saying here. Um, the last guy had pretty much messed up. He hadn't been faithful with the little bit that he had been given. He actually was so afraid of the master. The Bible says he was so afraid that he went and buried it. He didn't even put it into the bank. He didn't even invest the money. He went and hid it. And when the master came back and said to him, you know, once in a count, he goes to that last chap. And he says, okay, can I have my money back from you? And the guy says, I'm sorry, I, was, I knew you were a hard master. I knew you, you, you were a, task, a hard taskmaster, so I was afraid of you. So I took that money, I went and buried it. And you know what the master says to him? He says, you wicked, you wicked and lazy. You wicked and lazy. That's quite hardcore. That's, I mean, that's like, that's quite hectic that he was... Saying to him, you're wicked and lazy. There's some sticky tape here and it's bugging me. You're wicked and lazy. And he actually banishes him. And I tell you what, I never want to be that person who one day gets to heaven where, where Jesus says, come, stand before me. And we all will stand before Jesus. Do you believe that? Does anyone not believe that? Because you're not sure if you're going to stand before him. Because maybe this morning you're not even sure if you're going to stand before him one day. Well, I want to tell you now, we will all stand before Jesus one day, whether we're good or bad, whether we've chosen to um, accept him as our Lord and Savior or whether we haven't. We'll stand before him and he'll look at us and say, who are you? What did you do with your life? Did I know you or did I not know you? I know that firstly, first and foremostly, I, I, want, him, I, I want him to look at me and say, Chad, my boy, my boyki, come on. I knew you. You surrendered your life to me. You served me in awfulness. You gave your all. You lived your best life ever for me, not for yourself. Can any of us say that? I've got a friend who has an Instagram handle. She calls herself the best day ever. She's always posting these photos, best day ever, best day ever, best day ever. I tell you what, the best day ever for me is the day that I give of myself full sold out for Jesus. The best day of my life ever is that I see every single person sitting here living sold out for Jesus. Sold out for Jesus because he's worthy of it all. He was the one that, you know, he gave his life so that we could have life. He gave it up all so that we could have this relationship with him. And what does that look like? Well, it, it may look like a variety of different things, but I want to live sold out for him. And I hope that as you're sitting here, something is going, man, like just asking that question, do, am I living sold out for Jesus? Am I living sold out for him? Or is my life getting in the way? Is my life getting, is, is my agenda getting in the way? My friends, Jesus wants us to live sold out lives for him. And I tell you, like these stories and these testimonies, and I'm sure, like I said, there are many more where guys are encountering Jesus and going, man, I went there. And, and that, yes, it was hard. The weather was tough. We faced incredibly strong winds and torrential downpours and that kind of thing. But I tell you what, for me, there was nothing better than coming together with the saints and praising Jesus. 
There's nothing better. And even, you know, that, like I said, that event doesn't define us. But our lives now and what we get up to now and how we respond in this season and how we, how we respond to one another, how we love one another, how we love, love Jesus, how, how, we, how we worship together, how, how we do life together, that is the key thing. And it's are we doing it with every inch, every fiber in our bone? That, um, I've loved just journeying with some of, some of the younger guys as well. I, you know, really, for me, it's such a joy to see our teenagers and our young men and women just coming through. Like just going, you know what? I want to serve Jesus flat out. I don't know what it looks like. I mean, I've chatted to one guy. He says, I don't know what it looks like, but I want to serve God full time. I want to serve him. I like, like, and so does that mean like it's going to happen now or is it going to happen in five years or ten years? We don't know, and that's okay. But he wants to serve Jesus full, flat out. He wants to give his life. You know, he's the first, if, I, if ever I need uh, some help, he's the first guy that will put up his hand. And not just to, because it's me asking. It's because he wants to serve Jesus. He wants to help. He wants to build. He wants to be part of this journey. And I tell, I'm, I'm, when, I, when I have young men like that in my life, I'm going, wow, what a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. And it's not just the young guys. There are many older men as well and women that have that same heart to just, you know, you just you put out a message and it's like, I'm there. I'm there. I mean, we have opportunities in the, in the months to come. I even heard that there's, a, there's an outreach to Brazil happening. And I said, yes, like they're going to Brazil. I think it's the first, the, 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 yeah, October, the whole month of November, they're going to Brazil on outreach. That's a long time. There we go. <laughs> they're going to Brazil. I was like, yes, these guys are hardcore. It's the end of the year. By the end of the year, most of us are just waiting for holiday. But these guys are committed. They go, you know what? There's a church that needs help. There's, there's churches that need help. There's people that need Jesus. And we're going. We're going into the nations. We had a community a few weeks ago go to, go to Stillby. Who, who went to Stillby? Just put up your hands quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. About 12, 15 of the guys in our congregation went off to still buy to just be part of one of the other congregations. And the feedback that I got from Vimpy, I don't know if I shared it with all of you, but he was like, you know, I know, so Vimpy leads the Josh Gen there. And he was like, you know, it was so incredible just having these youngsters and, 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 and this generation, these, these people come and serve us, just loving us. It, it reminded me of what it means that we're part of a bigger family. Reminded me, and he was so encouraged. So I want to commend you guys. And, and next year, there are going to be lots more opportunities for us to go into the nations. Uh, are you ready to go? Are you ready to, because when you go, you grow. Like I said to Ella, as we were praying for her, her going is part of that. Like, yes, it's stretching. I mean, it's leaving mom and dad and just leaving the family and the friends that she's, she's built over the years here with us. But unless she goes, she'll never grow, actually. You will always be Ella here. But now in going, she's growing. I, th I think that's been the challenge for me. And like, I, like I've, I've been quite preoccupied with church here in George. And, and I had a bit of a wake-up call these last few weeks as well. That unless I go, and Andrew said something as well that struck me. He said, unless I go, you know that you will never grow either? If, unless I go, and so I'm contending to go into the nation, just not to go and be the preacher, not to go and be the worship leader, none of that, not because I've got this great uh, ministry that the world needs to hear about, you know, I'm Chad, here comes Chad, kind of thing, none of that, but just because 
because there's passion in my heart for Jesus. There's a love. There's a desire for His church. There's a desire for relationship. There's a desire to see people walking in the fullness of God. And just by me being there, not preaching, just packing out chairs, just serving tea, speaks volumes. I remember, you know, we, a couple of weeks back, you might remember, I took three or four guys to Benoni to be part of a congregation that was planning out. And so I just, I just wanted to go and be part of it. Like my own cost, I decided I'm going to Benoni because one of my friends that I've known for many years is planning a congregation, and I just want to be there with him and support him and pray for him. And, and so as soon as the word got out, a couple of guys, oh, we want to go with, we want to go with. And you know what? So that weekend, because I know the guys, suddenly it was like, oh, Chad, you're coming. No, you know, suddenly, can you lead worship? You're going to preach. You're gonna... I was like, well, I want to just come and be, a... I just want to come and hang with you guys. Don't give me a job to do. But I, do, I did understand as well that as I go, like, the, you know, the Lord opens the door. But you know, it wasn't so much my ability to lead worship or preach or anything that spoke to the guys that weekend. What spoke to the leaders of that congregation the most was one of the guys on that team who was getting there early, packing out chairs, serving with tea and coffee. When everyone had got, he stayed and he cleaned the dishes as well. They were, I won't mention him because I don't want to take away his reward because his reward is in heaven kind of thing. But they were so blown away by that one individual who served, <laughs> like he got spoken about more than me. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. You know, yes, great worship leader, whatever, but it's the guys that's serving, the guys that are there praying up a storm behind the scenes. It's the guys that are doing it. So unless you go, you will never grow. Unless you go into the nations, unless you give of yourself and just to serve and to love people, you will stay this high. Let the ceiling come off. Let the roof be taken off so that we can grow. And I'm telling you now, watch. Watch what God will do. I think and the reason I say this with such confidence is because I've been part of a church where I've seen that. In the early days of Josh Jen, we were about maybe size like this meeting. And Andrew was leading the church. And we were a new church, maybe a year or two old. And Andrew was gone like once or twice a month. Like in other other churches preaching, and, 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 he, and he actually refreshed our memory this last week about how that all went down, because Russell, who was on eldership with him, said to him, like the, he went to Russell, and he said, you know, Russell, I've been getting these invitations, and the guys are asking me to go, I don't know if I should go, like, because this church is so new, it's so young, and they need me here, and Russell said something, he said, Andrew, unless you go, we will never grow, unless you go and get equipped and you get trained, and you get exposed, we will never, ever become anything as a church, actually. And it wasn't about becoming something. But if I look at over the years of how just that, that mentality of going out into the nations, living for, for, for laying our lives down for, the, for other people, I've watched how that has impacted Joshua generation and how now we walk in that. And so that was because one man was living sold out for Jesus, not just living for, the, for here, but living with a greater picture in mind of what Jesus had for us as a people. And so we need to live lives full tilt, full tilt for Jesus, full, full out. And, and you know what? I think that is the legacy that we need to leave, that one day when we, we do have our obituary written about us, they, I mean, what are the words? I've often thought about what would the words be for my life? I'd say, here lies Chad Lahana. He was a great dad. <laughs> Loved his kids, loved his family, but he lived his life 
passionately sold out for Jesus. He had one life to live, and he made it count. He made it count. Why don't we just close our eyes quickly? And so maybe this morning you're sitting here and you, you don't even know who you're living for. You're so mixed up maybe that you just are just going, you know what, I, I, like, can I, just, I can't even think straight right now. But my friend, let me tell you right now that Jesus is intentional about you. That he wants you. He wants to bring you into a place of freedom. He wants to bring you into a place where you would actually enter into the most incredible journey of your life. The reality is that each one of us deserve death. We deserve separation from God. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his kindness. We don't deserve his mercy. We will never be good enough for it. But he bestows his love. He gives it to us because he is a loving God. But it comes with us making a decision and a choice. So maybe just even as you're sitting here this morning, you've gone, man, like I, I want to talk to two groups firstly. First, if you have never, ever walked in a relationship with Jesus, you've never repented of your sin, you've never, reali you've never even realized that you were doing anything wrong. And like actually as I've been speaking, you suddenly, something of the Holy Spirit, and that's really what the anointing does, it's the Spirit of God. Suddenly you've been, you've been realizing that you've been living for yourself a life full of greed, of just self-worship, a life where you think you know better, a life of just lies, deception maybe, even adultery. You've lusted after things that are not yours. You've, you've actually you've spoken ill of your neighbor. You've, you've cursed people. You've wished... Yeah, you've wished death on people even. But Jesus says that this morning he wants to wipe the slate clean. He wants to wash away all those sins. He wants to just almost take that whiteboard marker and like, let's just erase, erase, erase. And so just as you're sitting here, I want us all, can we maybe all pray together? Just ask him firstly to forgive us. And so, Lord Jesus, let's say together, Lord Jesus, we come before you now. We realize that we are sinners. We live for ourselves. We have disobeyed you. We are selfish, self-centered. And we want to say we are so sorry. Would you please forgive us? We want to repent for doing things our own way. Please forgive me. Just pause there for a moment. You know that as you've just asked him to forgive you, and maybe there might be a list of things, and even as I'm talking, as, as I'm talking, you, like these things that just come into your mind, a list of things you've done wrong, you shouldn't have done. Just ask him, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm useless. I'm worthless. I don't deserve your love. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. 
Wash me clean with your blood. I know, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. You came into this world to forgive me for my sins. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your mercy, your grace. Please forgive me. And you know what? As you cry out to him in that moment, something supernatural happens. He forgives you. He forgives you. He reaches out his hand and he says, my son, my daughter, of course I forgive you. I died for you. I paid the price for you. Of course I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. I love you. Something supernatural happens. It takes faith to believe that it's happening, actually. Because we might not feel anything. We might not experience anything. Maybe you do. But I tell you what, something supernatural happens. Can't explain it, but he forgives you. The slate is wiped clean. And in that moment, you are made a new person. Because of the power of Jesus. Just, just wait here in this moment and let that sink in. Let that sink in. That Jesus has just forgiven you. You know, you could have come in here an axe murderer and said, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he forgives you like that. And he'll forgive you. You might have done something horrendous last night in your bedroom with the door closed, nobody watching. And when you come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He forgives you. That's the first step. The second step is this, is that you need to ask his spirit to come and help you live a life that is obedient and is, is one that would be exemplary or not even that's a word I'm like looking for. We'd be able to live a life that he would look at, look at you and say, go for it. Eh? Pleasing. Thank you. Oh, just got stuck there. But you need his help. You need the help of Jesus. And so you might have heard the phrase that you need to have Jesus come live in your heart. <laughs> and that might be a bit weird. How does he come and live in your heart? But the reality is that he does. He comes and you know, we, we, we have a spirit. We, we body, we mind, we spirit. And so he, he comes in, and it's almost like, I can't describe it. I don't even know how I would be able to describe it to someone. But it's like something just happens that he now comes, and, and maybe the best way to describe it is, you know that small, still voice in your head that, that we call it the conscience? Actually, when, when you give your life to Jesus and you allow him to come and take place in your life. It's almost like that little voice becomes his voice. And so we need to ask him, Lord, would you come? And I know it's, it might be a Christianese, Christian term, but would you come and live in my heart? Would you come and take, pl take your place in my life? I give my life to you. I surrender to you. It means I'm giving... Now, I've asked you forgiveness, but now this is what requires, is that you give your life to Him. 
And it's also, we say it in words here, but it requires more than just words. It requires action. It, it would mean that you might need to leave some of your old friends behind because they're the ones keep on, keeping on taking you back to drugs or keep on taking you back to partying or going wild or they're the ones keep on with their coarse humor and joking. They're the ones that are keep on telling you, it's okay, you can lie to the tax man. You might need to leave some of those friends behind. You might need to make some new friends. And actually, that is what Jesus wants of you. He wants you to make some new friends. And that is what the church is all about. Because we're all, he's actually knitting you into a body, into a family, where you will learn what it means to please God, to obey God. And it becomes this journey of actually turning away from the old lifestyle and following Him, learning what it means. You know, no one expects you to understand the Bible straight off the bat. No one expects you to be able to pray straight off the bat. No one expects you to be able to stand up front and worship, but you're going to learn. And that's part of what being in a family and a church is all about, is learning what it means to pray, to read the Bible, to grow, and to understand what it means to have a relationship with the living God. And so maybe just continue praying, Lord Jesus, let's all together, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart now? Take your place. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want you to learn what it means to be a child of God. I want to learn more about your ways because I want to please you. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want you just to be some name out there, but I want you to be my personal friend. And so just with every eye closed, if, if you prayed that prayer for the first time ever, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never even repented of your sin, can I ask you just to, just to put up your hand? Is there anyone here this morning that just goes, man, I have never lived for Jesus. I have never given Him my life. Why don't you be bold and courageous and go, yes, yes, that's me. I need to follow Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning? You know your life's not right. You know you're living for yourself, but you are on a pathway of self-destruct and you need Jesus. You might even think you're a good person, but a good person doesn't get you into heaven. It's only through repentance. It's only through the work of the cross. It's only through understanding Jesus that you can enter into eternity with Him. Last time, is there anyone else here this morning, anyone here, that just goes, man, I need Jesus. I really believe there is at least one person here. And I don't want to 
put you on the spot, but I really feel that Jesus brought you here this morning for a reason. It's not by accident that you're here. It's not by accident that you're here, but Jesus loves you so much. And to be honest, even the way I've preached this morning, I believe has been for you, specifically. Because I had a number of ways I could have gone this morning in terms of my preach, but I felt specifically just to labor on this point that you have one life to live. Choose today to live it sold out for Jesus. Choose today. Don't, don't get to the end of your life realizing that it was a waste. That you lived for the wrong things. Live for Jesus. Choose now. Is there anyone last time? Maybe for the rest of us, can we, can we all just stand together? So I, re, I really, I'm, I do still believe there's one person, and maybe you're just not bold enough to put up your hand. But I, I want to encourage you that Jesus isn't finished with you yet. He isn't finished. If you don't surrender to Him now, tomorrow might be too late. I just want to confirm what Chad's been saying just now. I was standing at the back, and the scripture that came to mind was that, look, I stand and I, lock, I knock at, your, at the door of your heart, and if you open up, I'll come in. And I really believe, as I was standing at the back, there is someone here that the Lord's been knocking your heart for quite a while, but you're not responding to that, and you're saying in your heart, I'll have another chance. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I really feel the Lord's calling, the Lord's speaking to someone specific here this morning that, that He's knocking at your heart and He's asking you for you to respond and open that door so that He can come in. You, you might be wondering, why do we labor the point? You know what? <laughs> because it's a soul saved. I don't want us just to go home and go, that was a great kind of morning, you know, the preach was all right kind of thing. But I, I would rather go home going, you know what? Someone gave their life to Jesus. That's another person that's going to be spending eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why I will preach a message like this. And you might go, man, we've heard about the gospel over and over and over again. Why are you preaching on a Sunday? Why aren't you giving something else? You know what? Because we all need to know this message. We all need to know this message daily. The Bible says we need to work out our salvation every single day with fear and trembling. And so this morning, we have an opportunity. And maybe even as you've heard it again, I trust that even something inside of you has just gone, man, I, can, I need to throw out the gospel. I need to be sharing the gospel to people because we only have one life to live. Let us not be like that person who one day reads his obituary and goes, what do they think of me? But one that would go, man, Jesus, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus, the Savior of the world, died for me.
And maybe just for the rest of us, as I was standing, thank you for waiting a little bit longer and, and the interruptions, but it's part of family. And you guys have been great so long, so, so far. <laughs> Coffee's around the corner, right? But if you, as, we, as you're standing, and I know I've asked everyone to stand because I think we all need to respond to this because in terms of living a life sold out for Jesus, you know what, if, if you are less in love with Jesus than you were yesterday, you're backslidden. You know, I was reading the story of, uh, of the road to Emmaus. Who I mean, you knows that story in the Bible about Jesus appearing to the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in the Bible? You know that Jesus had been resurrected that morning, not even three, four hours later. They were feeling despondent and discouraged because Jesus was missing kind of thing. They had backslidden in that moment. Within a space of a few hours, they had lost a bit of faith. And so it's not impossible that we could lose hope, we could lose faith. And I think for every one of us, man... I think we all need, my belief and my feeling is that we can all be more sold out for Jesus now and tomorrow than we were yesterday, five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. We can be more in love. So maybe can I lead us in a prayer and just as, 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 and then we can, maybe we can have the worship team up and just go into one last song. But I believe that as we commit anew and afresh to Jesus this morning, that something supernatural is going to happen because it's no accident that we're here this morning. It's no coincidence. I'm not just preaching because I didn't have anything else to preach about. This is what I believe the Lord wanted to say. So let's just pray together. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every one of us standing here together as we stand as a body, Lord. And I know that you have called us to live this life full, fully sold out for you. You have called us to live this life fully sold out to you. And Lord Jesus, this morning, we commit anew to you. Maybe just even as you're standing there, would you in your own words, in your own way, recommit anew to Jesus this morning? And even maybe you need to repent. Maybe you haven't been living sold out, fully flat out for Him. You've allowed the things of the world just to grow, almost just encroach on, on your, your understanding, your relationship with Him. You need to go, Jesus, I have, I have lost sight of you and I'm sorry. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Would you wash me clean with your blood? And even as we prayed earlier, that you've received his forgiveness and you would choose this morning to follow him fully sold out again. Fully sold out. That you would, maybe even just the way you raise your, I just feel to say this, the way you've raised your kids. You've even raised them with an understanding that serving Jesus isn't necessarily the most important thing. That you've just, you know, you, this has been, this is, this is a personal matter. And Jesus is saying, no, this is not a personal matter. This is a matter of relationship with Him. And so maybe you need to repent for the way that you've been maybe almost blasé about your, your children's relationship with Jesus. You need to fight and contend for things. And you know what? I'm fighting and contending daily. I haven't achieved all it. I have to wrestle things into the ground daily. And so Jesus, I pray right now for us as a people, as we contend for you, as we contend for holiness, as we contend for righteousness, that Lord, you would come and you would meet with us, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray for us, your people, Lord God. That we would be more on fire for you, Lord Jesus. More than what we were yesterday. More than what we were 
this morning when we woke up, but Lord Jesus, we would have a passion and a fire burning in our heart for you. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Why don't we just go into just time of worship just a little bit longer. And if you need to just make right with the Lord, but pouring out and crying out to Him.